0: Help us, O God, to keep awake to your light and your love, that we may show forth your glory in all the world. Amen. This past Monday and Tuesday, I had the opportunity to make a very brief visit to England representing All Saints at the annual meeting of the Compass Rose Society. From an eye clinic in West Africa to the Anglican Hospital in Gaza, through the generosity of individuals and member churches like All Saints, Compass Rose has raised over $10 million to support work that the Archbishop of Canterbury seeks to do among the 85 million members of the Anglican Communion the family of churches worldwide of which the Episcopal Church is a part. The highlight to the visit for me was the opportunity to worship in the chapel at the Archbishop's official residence, Lambeth Palace. As we sat there to say Compline, a service of prayers for the end of the day, Archbishop Welby gave us a sense of the place we were seated in. The chapel has been at the site of private prayer for the archbishops of Canterbury and their guests since the 13th century. In a room above the chapel to the side of the altar, Thomas Cramner is believed to have finished writing the first book of common prayer in the mid-16th century. William White and Samuel Provost were consecrated there as the first American bishops in the English succession in the late 18th century, and a series of missionary bishops were ordained And sent out from there as the church expanded overseas, including several who were later martyred in the service of their Lord. As our group began to pray, I could not help but ponder the myriad of prayers that had been said in that space in all of those years gone by. 800 years of worship within those walls. 800 years of seeking out the will of God for people near and far and sending out those raised up by the church to do that will out in the world. That small and understated house of prayer has served our part of the Jesus movement as something of an incubator for mission and ministry that has spread across the earth. It felt to me like a place where the needs of the world weighed heavily, yet the hope we have in Christ was palpable. Far in almost every sense of the word from the storied history and portrait-laden walls of Lambeth Palace is another corner of the Anglican communion that I had the privilege of worshiping in some 14 or so years ago. This space for worship was also understated, a wooden hut, no more than 30 by 20 feet, furnished with benches, a chalkboard on the wall, and a Yamaha keyboard in the corner. The hut was one of those catch-all spaces that so many churches in the global south use with nimble dexterity, on one hand youth room on the other church building, homework club, and mess hall. That hut could do it all. I was there to work with the youth of the community which had lived in the settlement of Itipini, an illegal sprawl on the hillside that had once been the South African city of Umtata's trash dump. People's houses were bound together out of scraps of corrugated iron roofing, wooden slats and sack cloth. In the rainy season, the lower portion of the settlement would flood. And the English missionary who ran a clinic there next to the youth hut said that a conservative estimate of the HIV infection rate for the community was about 60 to 70%. The water supply, where mostly children could be seen lining up with buckets and other containers without every every day without fail, for the three months I was there, was a single spigot. From Lambeth Palace in London to the trash dump in Tipini, South Africa, the circle of the Anglican communion is drawn. And at some point in the cycle of prayer of the Archbishop's Chapel, Itipini and the diocese it is within are remembered. And as they are, a commitment from one to the other is raised up before God. A commitment that we also are called to remember each time we enter this space of prayer. For you and I do not meet alone in worship today. Our prayers are lifted up on this block to God, joined with those brothers and sisters from across a church that stretches the globe, one that transverses political, economic, and ethnic difference and offers us an image of union, in a global village beset with division and sectarianism. It has been experiences like these Lambeth to Etipini that have helped me to remember that the church is that presence in my life that helps me stretch my theological imagination and the community through which I gain an ever-deepening appreciation of the breadth and beauty of the human family. It is to such a vision of breadth and beauty that you and I commit ourselves this morning as we give thanks for the gift of God's generosity in our own lives. This commitment Sunday is a mark in time when we pray with grateful hearts for the pledges of support made to the mission and ministry of this church. We are able to be and do so much more together than we could ever dream of being and doing alone. Thank you for your gifts of love. And if Ellen Hayes gives you a knowing look and a suggestive smile this morning, then be assured it's not too late to fill out that pledge card. (laughs) We fill out those pledge cards and place them on the altar as part of our offering to God's work among us, knowing that the commitment we are called to make in Christ invites us to go into an even deeper communion. You are not here today by accident, but for a purpose. God has work for you to do. He has hopes that you alone can fulfill a vision for human flourishing that calls to you to bring into being. Church is the place in our lives whose vocation is to draw us out, out from our comfort zones and to the frontiers of what we thought we were capable of doing. Just think of the many ways by which this glorious company of all saints has enlarged your humanity. Think of the times when you have been asked to pray for someone. Or challenged to love another human being whom you have found hard to love. Or invited to offer the gifts of your heart that you barely knew existed. I imagine that it is because of this church that some of you were first given the opportunity to sit at table through the work of covenant community with men who have battled addiction, not within the safe confines of a treatment center, but on the street. I imagine that it is because of this church that some of you saw firsthand the other side of the headline news that refugees live on a daily basis, offering to them your support and love, tutoring their children and furnishing their homes. I imagine that it is because of this church that the lens through which you see the world, from questions of sexual identity to religious pluralism, has been expanded and challenged, listened to, and valued. In short, the places we pray in are the spaces that shape us for living. And the hours of prayer that we share are the ongoing encouragement we are given to have our eyes be opened, to see the kingdom of heaven emerge within us and around us. Confident that this kingdom will give to us all that we need for the journey. Yet trusting in the abundance of God is always a tough one to live into. As with the conflict over oil that Matthew's gospel reading today writs large for us, there is no shortage of opportunity in this life to be deceived into believing that our abundance is still not enough. There really is nothing surprising about the story of the ten bridesmaids and the bridegroom. People locked in conflict that surely could so easily have been avoided had someone just decided that they could share and still have enough to go around. And all because the man in question failed to show up on time. How many times have you sailed in that boat? The crux of the story, though, is not the battle of the economies of scarcity over abundance. It is the importance in this life of faith to keep awake. Keep awake, for the hope of God's reconciliation and peace will dawn upon this world when we least expect it. Keep awake, for the kingdom of heaven does not rise among us all in a rush like a bridegroom late for his own wedding party but emerges as God's slow birth of love present in the lives of the body of Christ that stretches across this globe. Keep awake, for God calls you, even you, to trust him, not with part, but with the whole of your life. Our eyes must be open if we are to see the light of dawn. We may not know the day nor the hour when Jesus will come to surprise us with joy, but we do know that it is an unbreakable bond of love that calls us to follow, to dare, to commit, to be builders of his kingdom of justice and peace. God calls you walk eyes wide open in the way of his love.